I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Our guest today joins us from Voorhees, New Jersey. Elisa Pomerantz Boro is a Hazan, the Hebrew word for cantor. A cantor or Hazan is a Jewish musician trained in both vocal arts and theology who leads a congregation in songful prayer. Hazan Elisa grew up in a rabbinic home, instilled with a love of Judaism and music. From an early age, she knew she would continue the long family line of rabbis, cantors, and educators. Elisa earned her degree in sacred Jewish music from the Cantors Institute of the Jewish Theological Seminary of America. She also holds a degree in Near Eastern Studies and Music from the University of Washington. Hazan Elisa serves as the cantor of the congregation Beth El in Voorhees, New Jersey. She's also served in synagogues in New York City and San Diego. Hazan Pomerantz Borough was among the first 14 women to be inducted into the Cantor's Assembly in 1991 and is its immediate international past president. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> this is the first episode that I'm designating as a sound of your heritage episode. I'd like to do many more in the future featuring different parts of the world. I'm so excited that you were able to fit me into your schedule because this is the busiest time of the year in the Jewish calendar, particularly for someone in your role. I know you said you're busy all the time, but I recognize this is a very busy time. So thank you so much for fitting me into your schedule. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about the series of holidays and celebrations that are coming up beginning later this month in September. Well, we actually have already begun because oh, yeah. this, ent- yes, the entire month leading up, most many people do not know, but the entire month leading up to the high holidays uh-huh. is kind of a preparatory month where you're supposed to really be looking deeply inside yourself and thinking about how can I be a better person this next year? It's not like the secular new year where you're like, oh, December 31st, I have, you know, mm-hmm. boom, it's going to be the new year. You have mm-hmm. an entire month to really prepare yourself spiritually um, for this upcoming season. So we start every morning service that's not the Sabbath with blowing the shofar to kind of awaken our senses and go, pay attention, you know, heed the call. What can I do better? How can I be better? What, you know, where did I fail this past year? So we already are doing that. And, you know, Jews pray three times a day and all year. But this time of year, we kind of are really gearing up to get ready for the high holy day season. And then on Saturday night this year, September 21st, of course, the Jewish calendar goes by the moon, which is why our holidays are not consistently the same Mm -hmm. days each year. They're the same on the Jewish calendar, um, but they change. So people might say, oh, the high holidays are late this year because of when it comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, So this Saturday night, September 21st, is a holiday um, not well known. It's called Slichot, and it really means penitential prayers. And you're supposed to start feeling, you know, sorry for the things that you didn't do so well or the people you might have hurt or how you let yourself down. And it really is the kickoff to the the penitential season. 
then officially Rosh Hashanah, which is the end of the month, begins our new year. And it's two days of intense services filled with music and, and prayer and beautiful words from our rabbis, sermons that begin officially the, the new year season. Mm-hmm. And then 10 days later is Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year, which is, you know, really the capstone because those 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur is when you are supposed to apologize to your friends and make amends. And then by Yom Kippur, we say the books are sealed so that, you know, God has made God's decision and hopefully you're going to make it another year in the book of life and uh, feel great about it. It's a solemn day, but it's also a celebratory day. I didn't realize how much confession and repentance and apologizing and making things mm-hmm. right was involved in that. That's something that a lot of other faiths could um, do well to uh, <laughs> integrate into their practice as well. Now, I understand that after Yom Kippur and well, after Yom Kippur, there's also another eight day holiday and then another holiday after mm-hmm. that that goes until October 22nd this year. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, there are more holidays, many more holidays. They're lesser known, but they're actually the festival holidays, they're called. They're the three festivals. So we have Sukkot which is really the holiday of, of booths. We want to talk about music, but uh, mm-hmm. just to, to tell you quickly, they're festival holidays. They're agric- agriculturally based mm-hmm. um, and also historically based and a whole different set of music and prayers that go along with each of those holidays. And then we have the time of the receiving of the Torah when we finish reading the Torah, our holy book, and we start over again. So that's a big festive holiday as well. And there are others as well in there to talk about. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Now, music has been a part of Jewish life and culture since ancient biblical times, and it's still really integral to Jewish religious and cultural experiences. Talk to us a little bit about that role that Jewish music plays in Jewish culture and holidays, celebrations. Well, I don't have to tell you that the power of music is is huge. And Mm. in many, I I believe uh, that music can speak louder than words. Mm. Um, And how we set the tone that music provides, whether it's a wordless melody, we call it a nigun, it's a a melody without words, Um, Mm -hmm. or whether it's just the setting that's used for a a specific prayer can be so impactful. Often I, I see people crying when they hear a melody. It might be that it's reminiscent of their childhood memory. It might just be something else. It just strikes their their you know their heartstrings mm, in a certain sure. way and music can do that which is amazing mm-hmm. but jewish music in particular i mean cantorial music specifically you know the the cantillations that we use go back they're the oldest known form of music ever mm. it predates wow. Gregor- it predates gregorian chant really um wow. yeah so there's these little symbols it's kind of like hieroglyphics with english you know that they came first the hieroglyphics mm-hmm. came before english letters these mm-hmm. little cantillation symbols um predate western music as we know it mm. they were not those western music symbols mm-hmm. and we still use them we still use them to chant torah and to chant haftarah they're not written in the torah but you have to learn them and then basically memorize them to be able to chant. Um, So is that something that students learn in Jewish school? Like I have students who are Jewish. Yeah, so 
one of my jobs as the cantor or the chazan of the congregation is to impart that and teach that to everybody who participates in our services. Okay. So children who become bar or bat mitzvah learn how to chant um, using these symbols, which is very cool because it's thousands of years of history and we're still doing Mm. it. You know, reading from the Torah, it's reading Hebrew without vowels and without musical notes, but having to learn it using like a cheat sheet to learn it. And then you actually read from the scroll. So Um, those songs are songs that have been consistently used for thousands of years. Correct. Wow. Yeah, that's those are the words out of the Torah. Oh, and of course, okay. there are very there are variations to how those cantillations were sung, because depending on what part of the world you came from, you know, mm-hmm. they get mm-hmm. they get changed. Right. right? You came from, uh, you know, Western Europe versus sure. Eastern Europe. It, they sound different. Mm-hmm. But the influence of societal music by the music that was going on around us has always influenced Jewish music. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things in Jewish music that we, we we call them mi Sinai, means from Sinai, as if God personally handed them down, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you really believe that, that's mm-hmm. an, another question. Right. But that's what we like to call it. Like, you wouldn't change the way this sounds because this is the way it's been done forever and ever. And when um, you say the sound, that's the actual words that are being said or it's the... No, the words, the words don't change. I'm talking about the musical sounds. Okay. The musical, the, the, the written... Um, or the oral tradition of uh-huh. how things sound. So it's the rhythm so, and the pitch. Yeah. So there okay. are musical motifs that are used, and there are modes as well. So, you know, relating it to Western music, you would have like a minor scale with the, you know, or a pentatonic scale that mm-hmm. would be used. So, and then there's these different motifs, musical motifs that are used that are commonly heard. But then they're adapted. So you can improvise within those modes so it's kind of a little bit like jazz in that Mm -hmm. a a good cantor can take these musical patterns and then play with them Mm -hmm. and improvise and kind of whatever comes out there are also right but then there are also pieces that are written that that are written that have been handed down that are are common and then there's new music also being written mm-hmm. constantly being written sure. so think about 200 years ago you know during the classical period a lot of jewish music coming out at that time sounded very classical mm. a lot of music that started coming out you know was adapted in the 50s and 60s like sound more folky mm. um and, now, and do you consider changed. Bob Dylan to be Jewish, uh, Jewish music, or is that considered secular? Uh, well, no. <laughs> so any, like Leonard Cohen, right? Um, so I use his hallelujah all the time. Oh, okay. You know, as an example, oh, sure. any any Jewish composer, um, yeah, I consider them, if they were Jewish, does it make the music Jewish? I mean, that's a deep question. Sure. But, but if they were Jewish and they felt something Jewish and they were inspired by their religion. Well, then, then yeah. you, you think of someone like George Gershwin, who was Jewish and sure. was a well-known sure. jazz composer. But he was influenced by those Jewish musical motifs. So we have a blessing for the, when you come up to, it's the highest honor in Judaism is having an aliyah to the Torah, where you go up to the Torah and you get to chant the blessings before the actual scroll is read from. Mm. And it goes, it sounds like it ain't necessarily so. So 
the blessing for the Torah came first. Gershon was obviously inspired by what he heard as a boy, as a sure. child, when he wrote it. Did did he know that he was inspired, or did it was those, was that sound in his head? Uh-huh. It's kind of cool, kind of sure. cool interpreting. Yeah, sure. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. You, you mentioned the modes, minor, pentatonic. Right. Uh, I remember as a kid taking piano lessons and having my teacher explained to me that not all cultures think of the minor mode as sounding sad. And I right. remember thinking, what? Seriously? Like, it was hard for me to get my mind around that. I just, we're so used to thinking of major mode as being happy and the minor mode sounds sad. But I have noticed with Jewish music, a lot of the celebratory songs are written in the minor mode. So Correct. talk to us about the modes that are used. Well, I think that it doesn't have to be so cut and dry, Right. Minor doesn't mean sad. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of Jewish music does sound sad, to be honest with you, because I think it's plaintive. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of music was written during times of despair. Sure. Well, kind of like You know, what prayer is, prayer is, you know, we're petitioning. (laughs) We're, we're, We're pulling at our heartstrings and we're trying to reach deep down. Mm-hmm. And and I believe very strongly in in prayer and using music as a vehicle to help us express those prayers. Mm-hmm. So what makes you feel that? Sometimes, yes, you feel happy. Can you feel happy in minor? Yeah. I mean, I'm a violin player since the age of four. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand what you're saying. But I... But I think that the tempo also impacts it, um, and the the words and the and the tone quality and there's so many things other than just the the scale, mm-hmm, right? Sure, that impact it. Well, in the, that part of the world is it more common? Not just with Jewish music, but other music from, say, the Middle East. Is it more common for those to be written in a minor mode? Well, sure, yeah, sure, with a lowered second. Okay. Speaking as a, you're a musician. So, sure. yeah. So okay. it's, it's, it's not just minor. It's, it's more, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, we call it fragish. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> and, and possibly also from in, in ancient times, was it more common to write in that minor mode? Um, I think so. But I also, I, I, I still hear that in my head and I'm, you know, I'm living now. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of, it's in my soul to my, I say it's in my kishkas. I don't know how you define kishkas. It's in my, it's in my guts. Okay. It's in my, you know, like it's, it's in your part bones. Of me. It's in my bones. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oni, you had mentioned something about the hieroglyphics and just the, the ancient ways of, of reading music in a way. When was Jewish music actually notated? Was it 12th century or? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends who you ask. The oldest known form of actual written music, you know, there's archival things that are oral traditions, but you don't find a lot of things written down before 600 common era. Um, And even like, Salomone Rossi in Italy in in the 16th century wrote down a lot of music. Not a lot of things were written down because think about it, we didn't have means to write things down. Mm -hmm. So things were passed down orally. Our tradition, Mm -hmm. most of it is oral, passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Well, as a Christian, I have a basic knowledge of Jewish history, and it's so obvious that music is just woven into the fabric of life during the Old Testament times. I mean, it's it's just constant in, in those books of the Old Testament, not only praising and worshiping God, but celebrating victory, whether it's escaping from Egypt or military victory. It was actually used militarily with trumpets in the, the Battle of Jericho. It was used for education. It was used therapeutically with David and King Saul. I mean, it's just everywhere. Yes, yes, very good. I mean, we know because our psalms are filled with songs Mm -hmm. and talk about the instruments, and we know that instruments were used in the temple period. Mm -hmm. Um, We also, you you see the imagery of all the, you know, the harp, King David with the harp. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, our Torah, our oldest book, we are people of the book, and that is our book, has songs in it, which says, you know, Moses sang to God, and there's a song written out. There's no musical notation except Mm -hmm. for the cantillation, which was the oral tradition. Mm -hmm. But it says, the words say that, you know, Moses sang to God, Mm -hmm. you know. And Miriam, the prophetess, took the timbrel in her hand, and she and the women went out and sang this song at the sea. You know, so we know that song and music have always been a part of our history mm-hmm. because like, like I said earlier, music, music expresses in some ways, you know, m- more, more emotionally mm-hmm. than just words alone. Mm-hmm. And sure. I think about, you know, the AB, the ABCs, you know, why did yes. children learn ABCs with the melody? Because it's easier to memorize mm-hmm. with a melody attached mm-hmm. to it. Right. right. Just like, um, you know, Hamilton, uh, the big, big thing going mm-hmm. on now. I, mm-hmm. I used to dream about doing that when I was in high school, putting my history textbooks, which were so dry and boring to me, mm-hmm. put that to music, sure. right? And and make it easy to like, like Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know how old you mm-hmm. are, but there was conjunction, yeah. junction, what's your function? That was, <laughs> that was, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way that we learned those things with music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. One, one sentence that, from your bio that I love, I didn't read it earlier, uh, but it says that you hope and pray that by lifting our voices together, we will continue to build a better world. And I love that. It, it, it talks about how there is something about music that communicates something that words can't. And there's a way that it connects with people. And I, I, it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in politics and what's happening with politics and politics are important, but it's not the only way to bring about change. And change can also be brought about by music, by culture, art, churches, neighborhood groups, volunteer organizations. And so I just love that sentence in your bio that really connected with me. Thank you. Yeah, it speaks volumes because, first of all, I believe that every voice deserves to be heard. Mm. You know, and, I, and I'm speaking about the, uh, the vulnerable population, whether they're special needs, whether it's, you know, LGBTQ, whether it's, you know, impoverished, every single voice, no matter what you're, and I'm not going to have a political conversation, but no matter what you think, you know, you just, you, people need to be heard. Mm -hmm. And, um, on, on a grander level, I think that, that music is a common element it's a language that we can all speak together. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, you know, like, look at Woodstock, right? It's the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. That music was what the catalyst 
to, to make change mm, in the world. Sure. Right? Sure. Right? People people use music and, you know, you hear chanting at demonstrations all mm. the time at rallies because it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got Reverend L- Martin Luther King and his words are powerful, but the, the singing that went along with it mm. is, is huge. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that, yes, I think that music can help us bring peace, can bring change, can bring comfort, can bring healing, can bring tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my, that's my dream. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. How can listeners learn more about your work and connect with you? Oh, I would love to hear from you. I work at Congregation Beth L in Voorhees, New Jersey, and you can find me there. You could also go to my website, which is www.alisa Pomerantz Boro, A L I S A P O M E R A N T Z B O R O dot com. You can find my recordings, my speaking engagements, my concert appearances, links to my website are all there. Thank you so much. Wonderful. And you have a Facebook page as well, right? Yes, I'm on Facebook as Hazan Alisa Pomerantz Boro. I do perform all around the country with another group called Divas on the Bima. There oh. are four female cantors. Um, oh. It's super fun. Neat. Yeah. Is information mm-hmm. on that group on your Facebook page or is it a separate? Uh, you can find it on my Facebook page and on my website. Okay. And you could also go to divasonthebima.com. Okay. And you have CDs and recordings as well. Those are available, I believe, on your website. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Wonderful. Well, tell tell us about your improv. Our improv is a try this at home, a hack experiment that guests provide something that will enhance listeners' lives with music. And I know you have one that I find fascinating. Tell us about that. Oh, thanks. Well, uh, I think a big component of Judaism is to focus on blessings and on prayers and on gratitude so every morning before you even get out of bed there's a prayer that you say it's called mode ani or moda ani and i think you can share it um i sent it to you to share yes yes um, i have a pdf of the the prayer for that i'll post on the show perfect. notes for those who are interested in printing it off and using it themselves right so what i do is i i I give it out to my congregation. I, I've provided it on a card. It's in our prayer book. But the trick, what I've done is I've put it onto a card so that you're supposed to say these words before your feet touch the ground in the morning. So your alarm clock goes off. And instead of thinking, oh, gosh, I have a headache. I want to hit the snooze. I'm tired. What's on my to-do list today? You know, the kids are screaming, whatever. Before any of that, the first thing to think about is gratitude. I'm alive. Thank mm. you, God, for waking me up today. I can see, I can, maybe you can't. I can see, I can hear, I can feel, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm alive. Thank you. Mm. Like, just to start your day with gratitude, um, I think is a, a beautiful way. And it might last for five seconds. It might last for the rest of the day. But if you start with those words, um, and it has a prayer that you can say, there are many melodies written for Mode Ani that you can search on YouTube, mm. um, that if you want to listen to it and, and start your day with the Hebrew words, mm-hmm. you can just recite them, you can chant them, you can use them as a, as a meditation, as a mantra if you want, you can just say Mode Ani. Um, which is the masculine, or moda ani, which is feminine, or just be gender neutral and just say moda ani. Mm-hmm. I am grateful. 
Mm. I am grateful. And it's just a beautiful start to the day. Yeah, love that. Well, that's like a great mental, not only spiritual health, but mental health exercise too, I would Mm -hmm. imagine. (laughs) Yeah, you can use it any time of day, but but you're supposed to say it, you know, before you start your day, before you get out of bed. Mm-hmm. There are blessings throughout the day are, you know, there's, you're supposed to say a hundred blessings every day, but to start your day with that gratitude, mm-hmm. um, you can put it, make your own melody to it. You can have your own mm-hmm. little song, make it up in your head. You know, like you can that. have a cute thing you can make up with your kids. If that's something yet, mm-hmm. you know, part of your world, yeah. um, you know, let's make up a thank you song for first thing when we wake up in the morning. Love um, it. Very yeah. nice. Well, I, yes. Well, I also got to have a sneak peek, sneak listen of to your coda. And it was just breathtakingly beautiful, just gorgeous. And I understand that you have a story behind that. You wrote the song. Tell us about the song and the story behind it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it has to start at when I was in cantorial school, which is a five-year master's program. Mm-hmm. I did a work-study program at Montefiore Hospital. And even before that, long before I knew that I could be a cantor because women couldn't be cantors back in the day, mm-hmm. and it was a big deal when we could. So I, I was going to go into music therapy because I believe in the healing powers of music. Mm-hmm. So I would go to Montefiore Hospital uh, with a classmate of mine. I would take my guitar with me, and I was assigned to the stroke unit. So I would walk into the room with my guitar And I would say, hi, how's everybody today? Radio silence. You could hear a pin drop. And, you know, most of them couldn't speak or communicate. Then I would start playing the guitar and start singing something. And some of them would sing along. Mm -hmm. And some of them would clap along. And it it became fascinating for me to see this power of music that Mm -hmm. it's a different part of the brain or something that they remembered. It, It was brilliant and I don't know all the science behind it but I was completely moved by it and awestruck by it yeah I didn't I didn't know back then that you know years later I would have a daughter um, I, w- I was pregnant for my first pregnancy and at 30 weeks gestation she suffered a massive stroke wow. um, in utero yeah it was a, a horrible 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 time wow. and more bad things to say about it than good but she she was in the NICU for, you know, the better part of two years. And I used to keep back then a little CD player um, with a little speaker and played music. And whenever I could be there, I would sing to her. And I, and I do believe fervently that music and prayer for her made her the incredible miracle that she is. Because they told me definitively that she would never walk. Mm-hmm. And she would never talk because she lost the entire left side of her brain. Yeah. But she does walk. She's 23 years old. She walks. She talks. She's beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's visually impaired and she's got cerebral palsy, but she is a remarkable miracle. Yeah. So back to when the song was written, when she was in the hospital, she was able to come home because she was too fragile and they didn't want to put in the shunt into her brain. So we did a baby naming for her at my synagogue. And while I was traveling back and forth to the NICU, this melody kept going through my head. I didn't know what it was. It just kept popping into my head. And when it came time for her baby naming, I decided that it would be beautifully set to my favorite prayer that we just, we recited it three times a day. It's Modim, the same root that we talked about earlier. Okay. Modim Anach Nulach, which means we thank you 
Mm-hmm. And it's written in the plural because we need each other. We need to support each other and be together as a community. Mm-hmm. And I really felt love and support of my community. So these words are, we thank you, God, for all of the blessings and all of the miracles, those little daily blessings that we don't even think about, you know, because we take them for granted. And then those huge miracles of which she is one, because there's no other explanation to why she is the miracle that she is, except if we say, because we have faith in God and in the power of prayer and music. So the words fit to this melody that I had been dreaming about during my drive back and forth to the hospital. And I improvised the entire setting that I guess you're about to hear um, at her baby naming in front of my whole entire congregation. I think we had about 600 people there at her baby naming. Um, and I and I knew that the chorus was going to be this melody that was haunting me to the text Modima Nach Nulach, and the rest of the text I improvised on the spot. And it was videotaped. And so what I did is later, um, my father, who's also a musician and a rabbi, transcribed the setting for me because it was too emotional for me. And, and that became this piece. And now I've sung it all around the world and I recorded it. Um, years later, I recorded it. It's on my first album of the same title, Modine, We Give Thanks.
Thank you so much to Hazan Pomerantz Boro for that breathtakingly beautiful and inspiring song. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. I'm excited to feature one of you on today's show. Each episode includes an improv from our guest, a try this at home, experiment, a hack that enhances life with music. Today, we start featuring a listener improv. Today's listener improv comes from Lynn from Lindstrom, Minnesota. Lynn commented on the website, every time I'm getting ready for the day, I crank Beyonce. She makes you feel so empowered as a person and woman and gets me dancing, helps to start my day out right. Love that. It's like an audio version of the power pose. (laughs) Thank you, Lynn. Send me your improv by commenting on my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast, by commenting on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn or by email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. I'll include links in the show notes at the same website address, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. I look forward to hearing your ideas and including one in next week's episode. In closing, if you have a smart speaker, remember you can listen to the show by saying Alexa or Hey Google, play Enhanced Life with Music podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in whatever podcast app you use. Incidentally, there are 700,000 active podcasts right now, and yet many of them can be very niche. So whenever I find one I really enjoy, I feel like I found a new friend. If you like what you hear on the show, please tell a friend or share the show on social media to help others find this needle in the podcast haystack. I really appreciate your help in enhancing others' lives with music.